The following podcast is an audio version of a live show that takes place daily on Crowdcast. To join our live audience, visit our Crowdcast website at crowdcast.io slash in lieu of fun. That's crowdcast.io slash in lieu of fun. We're not allowed to have fun anymore. So lieu of fun, let's at least not be bored. Come on, record. And we're lost. It's time. It is Monday, April 11th, 2022, 5 o'clock p.m. Kate Klonick is in her office at St. John's. She is not in the bookshelf studio in the one-room apartment in New York because now she has tenure, so she's all fancy and shit. So she she hangs out at... at I'm fancy because we're celebrating John Barrett tonight um, at, at school. So... Um, anyways, in who is we have to have him back on the show soon to discuss the Indeed. most recent Justice Jackson. And uh, Alan Rosenstein is joining us from uh, from Minnesota, where it is only, not five o'clock, it is four o'clock. I reject four o'clock. your yes. Eastern time hegemony. Well, so let's start with that. Let, let's uh, what is the temperature outside? Oh, it's nice, it's like right it's like it's like 60. Oh, it's a very, it's a very, yeah, don't worry. It's going to snow heavily on Thursday. So it's just a temporary <laughs> Is there snow on the ground still? There is not, there is not snow on the ground. There is not, not snow on the ground. Wow. Um, so it's almost like you live in a semi-civilized place. Almost. I mean, I would never admit that. For a day that. and a half or something. Yeah, exactly. exactly. All right. Uh, our summers so, here are nice. Having lived in DC and now having lived in Minnesota, I'm not sure I would trade our summers for your winters. Let's put it uh, that is the next poll question because oh, that's I love this question because I completely agree Would with Alan on this. Rather live? I think I'm, I am, I am fundamentally, I think, a cold weather person. I am not, like, but like, or twin I'm very sensitive only in this capacity, I would say. Um, to, to like, I really am uncomfortable when it's very hot and I'm very uncomfortable when I'm very cold, but like I have, you, yeah, you can I'm fix much, the very cold problem. Yes, exactly. And uh, I we're going yeah. to let the audience, we're going to let the audience fight this out. Um, whereas in the summer, right. at some point you just, you're just naked and then like, where do you go from there? Yes. Well, you know, air conditioning, but then that That's sucks right. too. So yeah. look, we are not allowed to have fun anymore. But in lieu of fun, uh, we are allowed to have one of the great conspiracy influencers with us today to answer all your questions about how to commit seditious conspiracy. Because guys, seditious conspiracy is the new, it used to be last season. Everybody was so into domestic terrorism whenever there was a shooting. Everybody wanted the shooting to be called domestic terrorism if somebody got you know, menaced. It was like, please make our, 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 the crime against us domestic terrorism. Please declare that it's a terrorist act. 
nobody's talking about domestic terrorism anymore, people. Domestic terrorism. Wanted it totally, to be domestic terrorism is a little bit of a is an interesting framing. It's totally last season. The it statute right now is seditious conspiracy. Seditious conspiracy is the new domestic terrorism. And nobody has done more to popularize the seditious conspiracy statute. <laughs> He's the Kim Kardashian of seditious conspiracy. Uh, so Alan, welcome back to the show. We're so, so Thank proud you. to have you Thank with you. us talking seditious conspiracy. I, I think of myself more as the barefoot contessa of seditious conspiracy, right? I'm, I thought it's not in your face, but it's very approachable with a glass of wine. Your friends come over. They're like, how can I help with seditious Don't conspiracy? And because, you are, making... and because you are a thoughtful host, you're like, I have this thing that you can be very helpful with. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so, Hold on. We uh, this is this is perfect too because Ben will not shut up about what a good cook you are. So there is also this works on many levels. It's almost conspiratorial. Um, but anyways, <laughs> I, I convinced right. I I got Ben to I got I convinced Ben to boil his meat in bags, and that is not a euphemism. That's true. Yeah. He did. He did. Um, so I want to um, start with. Uh, you know, do you have advice for people who want to commit a seditious conspiracy? How do you get started? You know, it's easier than you think. It's you know, it's really it's really easy, right? You have to commit a conspiracy, and it has to be seditious. And neither of those are actually that hard, as it turns out. Well, uh, except yeah, in, so in, the... it seems like in 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 uh, Michigan, it's a little bit harder than the government thought it was. Well, so yeah, that's so yeah, we will, that's an interesting. We will, we, yeah. will, we will get to that. We will get to All that. All right. So what, um, what do you need to do to have a seditious yeah. conspiracy? Yeah. So you need a conspiracy, uh, and that is pretty simple. You just need two or more people to commit a crime. Take, uh, so it has to be multiple people. Conspiracy, and you put it in a bowl. Exactly. And you just yeah. whisk it lightly. Exactly. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Uh, so yes, you need you need two or more people to commit to agree to commit to a crime, uh, and the idea is that um, the reason we have a special conspiracy crimes is because the idea is that acting violating the law by yourself is bad when you do it with others it's it's more than just twice as bad right there's something about getting in others in on the act is considered really bad so that's where the conspiracy comes from so you have to agree with two or more people to commit a crime that everyone has to want to commit the specific crime right so if you know you're you're uh, uh, robbing a liquor store but one of the conspirators also wants to kill someone that doesn't necessarily mean a conspiracy to kill someone uh, for everyone uh, and then in most states, you have to take some overt act, right? So someone has to someone has to do something. So like Ben and I could agree could agree to make uh, you know crime against fashion, and then Ben could buy a dog shirt, and then that's that's enough. In in, in most whoa, states. I see what you did there. It's not okay. Sneak, sneaking in a dog shirt attack in the context of an explanation of law. I like that how perky the ears are. They're very perky. It's very, I feel like it's like, it's like alert. Like it's, it's there to listen and see if you're conspiring. wants to know, the dog also wants to know how to commit a conspiracy. I gotta say, I miss, the best is still, I like your ostrich shirt more than anything else though, Ben. I say bring back the ostrich shirt. I mean, it's in rotation, so I guess not bring back. Yeah, you know, yesterday was, was uh, uh, the funky dog shirt, which, uh, you know, it wasn't a show, but. Yeah, no, fair. Um, yeah, at, so. At some point we should discuss the corn shirt and the conspiracy that Ben 
unwittingly walked himself into on Twitter around corn shirts. But I've yeah. asked the uh, the, the uh, adult performer in question to come on the show and talk so about it. But um, did you? So this is fascinating, Alan. You'll love this because it's like content moderation, like skirting rule of law, skirting like. But it's um, <laughs> apparently porn stars will take photos of themselves in the types of three-dimensional corn shirts that bet like it like oh, like OnlyFans sites and things like this will take these photos to signal to people without words that they are like for hire on OnlyFans. And Ben found one of these women on Twitter and saw her wearing one of these dorky corn shirts and was like, I no, have to a be corn fair. Shirt. To be Let fair. me tell you all about my corn shirt. <laughs> to be fair, and lots of people sent me that picture yeah. of her. And he was like, she was wearing corn, corn, shirt, corn on the corn shirt. And this woman was like cracking up at the idea that Ben had like been like i love corn shirts do you have other dog shirts tell me all about the and she's like it means something very specific in my context like, and, it means and anyway, hear me out amazing. hear me yeah. out i have just figured our newest corn tier for material supporters for lawfare <laughs> oh my gosh that would be amazing <laughs> So cool. So back, back, get back to the less horrifying uh, thing that we're in this conversation about. Um, yes, yeah, so you have to have a conspiracy, and then it has to be. Well, that's what's interesting. So it, the it it has to be for sedition, but sedition is not actually defined per se. Um, so instead, there's the statute, um, eighteen USC twenty three eighty four, um, which. Um, dates back in one form or another back to the Civil War because it was initially a statute that was meant to uh, deal with um, uh, uh, former members of the, of the Confederacy. Um, and it, it has this long list of things that can get you in trouble in terms of sedition. And what's interesting is that, that there's like a, some very serious offenses and some not serious offenses. So the serious offenses include conspiring to overthrow, put down, or destroy by force the, United, the government of the United States or to levy war against them, right? which are like very serious things, right? That would be hard to do if that were the entirety of the definition. But then there's more of the definition. Or to oppose by force the authority of the United States, or by force to prevent, hinder, or delay the execution of any law of the United States, or by force to seize, take, or possess any property of the United States, right? That person has committed seditious conspiracy and they can be punished with up to 20 years. So. Um, in addition to conspiracies, the agreement, it has to be an agreement to use force. So that's an important limiting principle. Um, so it can't be nonviolent and it can't just be through like fraudulent trickery. It has to be through some sort of physical force. Um, but physical force to do what? And there it's really, really broad um, because you have, you, have, um, you, know, you have statements like um, prevent, hinder, or delay the execution of any law of the United States or seize, take, or possess any property of the United States, which are super broad. And so the question I think is, um, you know, should 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 we take those terms literally? That's kind of the main question. Should we take those terms literally, or should we understand those terms to be implicitly narrowed by the 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 what the list starts with, right? So, you know, one way of limiting this statute and making it not incredibly broad is to say, um, you know, anytime you take, you know, you oppose the force, you forcibly oppose the United States, or you try to prevent the execution of any law or you take property, it has to be something that's serious, like the level of trying to destroy the United States or trying to uh, wage war against it. That's one way. Um, but, you know, 
even then you're still left with a very very broad statute because um uh you know yeah yeah so the answer is you're left with a pretty broad statute now there are there are some limits as you mentioned so there have been unsuccessful seditious conspiracy uh prosecutions um so <clears throat> the most famous one or the most recent famous one is from 2013 or thereabouts um uh this group called the I still know how to pronounce their names. Hutari, Hutari. They're these like super weird far right Christian militia. Like so weird that all the other super weird far right Christian militias in Michigan Turned were calling in. their like yeah, we're calling their <laughs> FBI buddies and be like, "There's something not right with these dudes." Um, and, and they and they had this. I love, I love yeah. that. I love like the weirdos. Like it's like the Comet Pizzas of the world. Like <laughs> exactly. Well, th yeah. these guys were to uh, to normal Michigan militia people the way the guy who shot up Comet Pizza is to like your average QAnon person. That's right. Um, yeah, so um, uh, uh, oh, I see just because I see it. Um, uh, Alaric or Alaric, my apologies if I'm mispronouncing that. The uh, section 20, 2384 was introduced in 1948, but that's when it was codified. So the actual statute that it comes from goes all the way back to the Civil War. So uh, uh, that's why when you uh, when you look at that, that that's it's it's an older statute than that. Yeah. So so the so there are these the Hutari prosecutions in 2013, and basically what the government um, was uh, alleging was that they wanted to they wanted to like kidnap some cops and shoot some other cops and mess uh, and then like attack a, a funeral of cops so that something, something, something race war. Like it was this like sort of vague plan to start a, a race war or something. And, and and what's interesting in that case is that that case, the court actually held, so the judge threw the, the seditious conspiracy charge out saying, look, even if you can prove this, which I'm not sure you can, government, um, just attacking the governments just to start trouble is not by itself seditious conspiracy. You have to be trying to prevent the government from doing something that the government does. Um, now the line between, you know, attacking a police officer because you want to start a race war and you don't like police officers and attacking a police officer to prevent them from fulfilling their police officer. It's, it's not entirely clear what that line is. Um, but I, I do, I do suspect that one thing that was motivating the judge was just, otherwise it's a super broad, um, it's a super broad statute. Um, you know, most, more, more recently the case against the, the plotters to kidnap Gretchen Whitmer, the, the Michigan governor fell apart. Um, but that that's more because that that case and the witnesses, that was just a mess of a case. I don't think that was a says anything about seditious conspiracy. All right. So I want to ask you about the thesis of your lawfare piece, which is that seditious conspiracy basically is <clears throat> our domestic terrorism statute. In what sense do you mean that? And uh, to what extent does the, how precisely does the analogy work? I mean, in yeah. a sense, if, if you go blow up a mall because you hate mall goers and you want to intimidate them, but you have no aspiration to overthrow the government, except insofar that as it protects malls, um, uh, you're not gonna violate the seditious conspiracy statute, though you are gonna, um, violate various WMD statutes and you're going to, you know, go to prison for the rest of your life for other reasons. So I guess what, in what sense do you mean that the seditious conspiracy law is actually uh, 
functioning as a domestic terrorism law. Yeah. So, um, and you're pointing up the WMD statute is an interesting one. I have to think. I have to think about that because I think that's an important point that I did not consider. So, so there is no crime of domestic terrorism. And, and just to be clear, the the WMD statute. If you even like, if you even think about a, an explosive device, you're violating the WMD statute. Uh, it doesn't have to be anything like what you commonly would think of as a WMD. Any explosive device, like from a small pipe bomb is gonna qualify under the definition of the WMD statute. So can I quick ask what I think is gonna be a helpful clarifying question, which I think you're about to get to, but like the idea of domestic terrorism is not an actual kind of like, but it is a justification for, it is a justification for um, skirting or being allowed to skirt Fourth Amendment jurisprudence and like certain types of rules, right? I mean like, oh, well, Oh, so so the, the way I would describe it is this. There is no crime of domestic terrorism in the sense right. that in Title 18 of the Federal Code, which lists out all the federal crimes, there is no crime of domestic terrorism where if you commit it, you shall go to jail for such and such years and with such and such aggravating mitigating factors. There is, however, a definition of domestic terrorism. And that what that definition, and it's pretty precise, actually, and it's pretty broad. What that definition does, the reason it exists, this was introduced by the Patriot Act after 9-11, is it allows the FBI to use certain investigative tools that it would not otherwise be allowed to use in the context of a international terrorism or domestic terrorism investigation. Now, international terrorism actually is a crime uh, in addition to being a definition. Domestic terrorism is not. Now, as to, you know, whether that allows- I was referencing allows... the Patriot Act specifically. I just taught this in my info privacy class. And so we're just turning the into the Fourth Amendment meets national security line. And so, yeah. Yeah. Now you can say that that skirts the Fourth Amendment or it's just a proper interpretation of the Fourth Amendment under the reasonableness balancing, blah, blah, blah. But like, that's not, I mean, that's like a different, whatever. Um, so, oh, you know, I was a DOJ lawyer, old habits die hard. Um, uh, so, um, so there's this domestic terrorism definition and it has, so it has um, basically, uh, you know, so, so what it criminalizes is, um, things that are dangerous to human life, right? So it's kind of like, it's sort of like a force requirement. I think even more than force because it has to be dangerous to human life. And then basically one of two things, right? You either have to be trying to intimidate or coerce a civilian population. That's Ben's example of going into a mall and blowing something up, right? Because you, you, I don't know, whatever. Um, <clears throat> uh, or, or specifically going to a mall and blowing it up because you're trying to make a statement against capitalism, right? It's not just any blowing up to be the intended coercive population. Or on the other hand, to um, uh, influence the policy of, a, of a, the government to strike against the government, that, that, that sort of thing. Now, technically there are three prongs to the definition, but basically falls into one of two buckets. There's the against civilians and against the government. And so uh, my argument is that just as a practical matter, right? Um, when we are looking at uh, what we would otherwise call domestic terrorism in the context of attacks on the government, right? Um, we actually have a statute to deal with that. It's not the domestic terrorism statute because that's again, not a crime. It's the seditious conspiracy statute. And the reason I think this is important is that there's this ongoing debate. It's a very interesting debate and it's an important debate about whether we should actually have a domestic terrorism crime, right? Some people say, look, we should because we need it. Some people say, look, I'm not sure we need it, but because international terrorism 
basically just targets minorities and immigrants. We should at least have a domestic terrorism analog so just to level the playing field. Other people say we shouldn't have any of this shit. Like it's just, it's not good to have these special terrorism because they're broad and overused. All very interesting. I'm not actually sure what I think about that debate. Um, I'm sort of still thinking about it. My point was just to mention, but there's this like other thing right here <laughs> like, that exists and is being used. And at least as it comes to anti-government domestic terrorism, everything falls perfectly within seditious conspiracy. Now, what doesn't fall within that is anti-civilian domestic terrorism. So when when Dylan Roof walked into the, the the church in Charleston and you know killed a bunch of killed a bunch of people, you know, and it was clearly a a, a you know white supremacist terrorist attack, right? I think that's something that we would call terrorism. That would not fall under the seditious conspiracy statute. And we can talk about whether that's good or bad or whatnot. Um, but at least for like a lot of the stuff we've recently been thinking about of calling domestic terrorism, you know. Uh, whether it's old stuff like when in the 50s a bunch of puerto rican nationalists walked into congress and started shooting right uh in order to try to i don't know advance puerto rican uh independence or january 6th um which i'm very comfortable uh at least calling some of that domestic terrorism not all of it but some of it i'm very comfortable calling domestic terrorism i mean i think we have a, we have a good statute to to use against it and i, I know and and we are using it and i think that's interesting so just to kind of flesh out this point a little bit in terms of definitionally so like in your dylan roof example what could what if what would it what would tip this over out of into something like seditious conspiracy like what would have what would he have had to have done or have said to put it into that camp and like keep it out of the to, to put it into the um seditious conspiracy camp yeah so um <sighs> This depends on how broadly you read the seditious conspiracy statute, right? Um, you know, if he destroyed any federal property in the process uh, and he intended to deprive the federal government of that property, that might be enough to tip it into seditious conspiracy. Um, you know, I think the, the really interesting question is, you know, what if he walks in and says, oh, I don't know, I think that I, I think the Department of Labor's affirmative action programs are unconstitutional you know, and they're replacing the great white race. And then he shoots a bunch of black parishioners. Like, is that enough to tip you into seditious conspiracy? Functionally not. Probably not. I probably not. Um, but, but, but that's, that's kind this, of what I'm wondering. Like, I'm just trying begins. to make clear for everyone, like that this was an act against private individuals. And even if you have yeah. a statement of intent that your overt action is against private individuals because of your political problems with the government, that maybe that kind of statement of intent is still not enough to move you in a seditious conspiracy. Like the actor has, the actor who you're acting against has to be the government. I, I think that's, I think that's, I think that's right. right. Yeah. So, so, I mean, they're, they're, they're pretty distinct. So I want to, yeah, explore the limits of this analogy. So one of them is if the attack is really not against the government, but against some other entity, as many terrorist attacks are, Dylan Roof, the Tree of Life shooter, all the mass shootings that we, the Las Vegas stuff that we sort of think of as terrorism, sort of think of as mass shootings, all of that stuff is going to be outside of it. But in addition, there's this other boundary, which is one you alluded to earlier, which is that the government has been super conservative over the years in charging cases as seditious conspiracy. Yes, there's the Puerto Rican case. 
several, a couple Puerto Rican cases, actually. There's the uh, Sheikh Omar Abdurrahman, uh, uh, not the, uh, not the uh, 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 First World Trade Center bombing, but the, um, that, the planned reign of terror that was going to follow it. Um, uh, there's the uh, Hutari, uh, and there's a couple of 1-6 cases, and that's kind of it. Um, and so isn't part of the limitations of the idea of this as a domestic, a general domestic terrorism statute, is that the government doesn't use it that way. And, you know, this was kind of what Bill Barr was saying about when he was saying, hey, we should charge all these uh, 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 Portland Antifa people who were obstructing the court. Uh, maybe we should think about them as, you know, uh, under seditious conspiracy, but wouldn't you have to take a much broader view of the statute than the government traditionally has in order to make it function the way you are imagining? I don't think so, actually. I, I think one would just have to be willing to use it. So I, 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 think, I think the issue is not that the government uses seditious conspiracy only in very rare cases, or, or rather only in cases that are of like, that are, are, are much more serious than your average domestic terrorism anti-government case. It's just that the government doesn't use seditious conspiracy very often. Um, I think because the statute is so broad that it worries that it's gonna go in front of a judge and the judge is gonna say, I'm uncomfortable with you using this statute, right? Um, I, I think the problem is that the government has not, in its seditious conspiracy prosecutions, put forward a very clear limiting principle. And part of what my part of what my piece is trying to start thinking about is um, we need something like a domestic terrorism statute. I think at least for anti-governmental terrorism, we're not going to get one because literally Congress can't do anything, and Congress certainly, my God, cannot do anything right that would at some point involve anyone on the House floor talking about you know. Uh, so, so uh, Senator Hawley, when you did that stupid fist bump to the crowd, you were not just a seditious conspiracist, but also a domestic, like it's, it's inconceivable, right? And you have the statute that sits out there crazy in this crazy vague expansive form. And so my, my thinking was, look, what if, what if we decide that um, we're going to interpret seditious conspiracy along the lines of how we think about domestic terrorism, which, which I, I think you can do. I don't think it's the best statutory interpretation, but I think you can do through some combination of um, careful prosecutorial decisions, you know, maybe writing something in the USAM, um, maybe some J-Posse, um, and, and really trying to focus uh, uh, attention on the first part of the statute that talks about all these very grave offenses against the government, and then say, and then all the other stuff is um, just an example uh, of, of that. Um, but for what it's worth, I think such conspiracy has been undercharged. I think so undercharged and, yeah, and, I, so and I and I, and I think the what what people are are appropriately scared of the civil liberties implications um I, I think that it is it is a mistake to take this incredibly powerful statute off the table um just just because of that so I actually I buy that <clears throat> um I think it's kind of an uh, an interesting and elegant kind of solution I, I kind of like that idea I also think that like <sighs> I agree with you. So I actually, as you were 
think is like Ben was giving examples of how he wanted to put kind of a valence on what wouldn't wouldn't be seditious conspiracy. And he was like listing things. Um, Gabby Giffords shooting came to me. Um, like, how would you consider that under, would that be, I mean, is that like, do you see what I'm, okay. So I guess what I'm trying to yeah. say is like, would that be considered uh, seditious conspiracy because it's only one, only person. one person. So the, 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 the tricky oh, thing. Yeah. So, okay. so this so is, this is, okay. yeah. So this is, yeah. So this is a, an uncomfortable, yeah, this is an, an inelegant part of the solution, which is that um, seditious conspiracy cannot be reinterpreted to not require conspiracy. Um, it's kind of in the name, right? Um, so sure. you are never going to be able to get lone actors, lone wolves, but as it were, which is unfortunate. Um, but well, I don't know, one problem at a time is what I would say. But like, what if there were multiple people trying to kill Gabby? Well, I mean, like, couldn't, I guess, I guess my, uh, my, my greater question would then would be like, could, would acting against Gabby Gifford's assassination just be sedition, I guess, was actually kind of the... Yeah, so that's an interesting question. So I think it I think it depends. I mean, under under here here's here's what I I think under the logic of the so the way the judge ruled in the Hutari case, it probably wouldn't be, right? Yeah. J just attacking Gabby Giffords, I mean that probably would not be enough because you are not attacking Gabby Giffords as part of the exercise of, of her Gabby Giffords duties. Right, of right. official if, What duties. if you attack her to prevent her from voting? Oh, 100%. Yes. Okay. This is kind of, and I just found an awesome, just I'm going to stick in the thing. It's from 2011, actually. Um, it's a Dan Byman um, article that specifically goes about discussing what happened in Tucson as whether or not it's domestic terrorism or sedition. So, anyways, I just want to, I'm going to stick this in, in the, so, um, but go ahead. But I want to ask a question going back to the kind of underlying tectonic debate here, which is why does this matter? You know, there's no, there's almost no conduct. If you attack Gabby Giffords and, you know, in many states that's a death eligible offense if she dies, which thankfully she did not. Uh, uh, if you, you know, there are, uh, it's very hard for me to imagine the crime that um, the act of violence you could commit that is not adequately prosecutable as it is, although um, although having the weapons to do it is arguably not adequately prosecutable. But once you endeavor to do it or plot to do it, you get into some real time areas. Um, I, on the other hand, I, I don't, um, the reason these international terrorism crimes exist is not that we decided to stigmatize overseas actors and minorities, but that these are crimes that the U.S. would not otherwise have jurisdiction over, right? So, you know, right. blowing up, uh, a, a U.S. or an embassy overseas and killing an American is something that absent a very specific action of Congress, there would just not be U.S. jurisdiction to prosecute. And so we corrected that by creating a set of international terrorism offenses that we asserted extraterritorial jurisdiction over. My question is, why does it matter what we call it? Yeah, so... I think a couple of a couple of responses to that. So first, 
it doesn't, it matters only a certain amount, right? Like it's important not to get too hung up. I think it matters, but it doesn't matter an infinite amount. So, so if there was no, if there, if we neither, if there was no crime of seditious conspiracy, I would probably not write that blog post. Probably not write, hey, we really need to write to make a crime because otherwise we can't call it by the right thing. Because although there are benefits to be able to call it by the right thing, there are big costs. Because how do you exactly define the crime is just so difficult, right? That's that's the that's the tricky part. The issue is we have a crime of seditious conspiracy, right? It is used from time to time, right? And it is unescapably more and more appropriate or more and more relevant as the issue of domestic extremism, mostly on the far right, right? But not exclusively on the far right, right? We should, we should, we, we need, we like for this to work in a, in a, in a diverse plural country, we have to like come up with a neutral principle that like contemplates people on the left getting in trouble too, right? Otherwise this is, this is just like not going to work, right? Um, given that we have this, um, uh, uh, you know, what are we going to do? How can we improve the statute, right? And one of the reasons it's worth doing this rather than just like trying to avoid this is because there actually is a real benefit to calling something by seditious conspiracy. And I think it is important that as a society, we are able to um, articulate what is specifically wrong with certain types of conduct, right? Um, and I think that we have sort of lost the thread a little bit um, on the idea that um, uh, uh, if you want to change policy in this country, using violence is not an acceptable way of doing it. We, we kind of just like, I don't know, like we, we've been living in a very safe several decades in America and we've sort of forgotten that we can't take that for granted. Yeah, it's um, been really boring. We need to, you know, get back to but, the 60s and 70s. Well, no, the problem is we're, we're getting back to the 60s and 70s. And like, we seem to have like lost the conceptual tools of saying like, this is actually really bad. And it's, and it's bad, not just because you disagree with these people's politics, Right. It's bad because, you know, these people are showing profound disrespect for how a civilized democracy functions. Right. Um, so, like, like, if we're going to if we're going to have this definition out there, I'd like to sharpen it. I mean, so we can use it. It's well, I'm going to. I was actually, as you were saying this, several decades is true, but I would say that like the night it almost reminds me the violence that has kind of happened in the last couple of years reminds me very much of like, not the lone wolf stuff of like the night of the summer of 68. But like, I do think that there is, there was like, I remember hearing about the summer of 68 is part of like history. Like when I was like living through the eighties and nineties and kind of growing up in the two thousands. And it seemed like we wouldn't like that type of violence was, was very outmoded like, or like denormalized to your point. And I think that one of the interesting things is like, it really wasn't that long ago. And most of us can, a lot of people, a lot of the adult population can remember like this period of, in, of intense, uh, of intense violence at a certain period of time. Yeah, it wasn't um, just the summer of 68. It was all through most of the seventies. There was- Yeah, yeah, but, but I mean, I feel United like- States. But I just feel like 68 was just like such a, such a, like a, the like I don't know I just think of the ML I just think of the assassinations and um, MLK and and like and Bobby Kennedy as just being really profound kind of targeted attacks on just on both government and government and civil society leaders and it just was kind of uh, I mean deadly I mean and and so I, I guess you're right there was tons of violence by a lot of groups and lots of bombings and like lots of stuff and like right but I guess 
the lone wolf kind of aspect of it, the domestic terrorism aspect of it, like if you're going to tip over, like decide how you're going to use those terms, like into seditious conspiracy, like or into sedition. Like, I just think that's I don't know. That was my only point was just that, like, I wonder if we did like a mapping of like, I don't know. I just wonder how when that kind of really dropped off and why. But again, uh, Alan, right, these acts like Sirhan Sirhan uh, or James Earl Ray would not, as they were prosecuted, have been able to uh, be fit under the, the seditious conspiracy statute because uh, uh, Martin Luther King's not a government official. It's not... You know, it's not an attempt to stop the government from doing its thing. And Bobby Kennedy is a mere candidate. And besides, these are individuals, certainly in Sirhan Sirhan's case, acting alone. And in James Earl Ray's case, at least that was the conclusion of the FBI, right? So it's, it doesn't map well onto the domestic terrorism thesis as you're describing yeah. it. No, that's a nice, that is, that is a, that is a good, well, it's an interesting question. That is a good point. Um, the, I almost think it's nice how it doesn't map well onto, because I think it, like, it's, like, I think it's a distinguishing point. Yeah, well, so I'm, I, so I, I think, I think it actually, yeah, so this is a, that's a, yeah. That, that's I mean, a, it works really well for Oklahoma City, right? I hate the government because it did Waco. And so I'm going to blow up a federal building to screw with the federal government because I don't recognize its authority and the Turner diaries, right? And so blow up the federal building, the Murrah building, kill 167 people um, and prevent the government from functioning to the extent that you do. And that's the ambition. And there's more than one of you, right? It's uh, it's a few people doing it. That seems like a pretty. It was not charged that way, but no. it seems like a pretty good example of your thesis. Yeah, I, I think I think so. So for for me, the case that I come back to um, is the Bundy standoff. That that to me is is the um, is the kind hmm. of perfect example, right? And and look again, like I you know my. my my sympathies do not lie with the right, um, but I am trying. But I, I am trying to be as kind of expansive in in application. So I don't know. Maybe I need to. I need to read more about exactly what went down in this sort of insane Seattle autonomous zone. Um, but that strikes me as a plausible um, as a plausible comparator. Uh, um, what was what was going on there? But I think those are two examples where um, we, we we lack a a, a like putting those people on trial for like a weapons charge or something like that, like that's fine, we should do that. But I think I think we we lack in the criminal law a good articulation of exactly for, exactly what is wrong with these sorts of, um, what is is wrong with, with these sorts of, of, of conduct. And, and I would even say, and I'm, I'll be careful here, I am much less concerned about the lone wolves than I am about the organized groups. And not because the lone wolves can't do damage, they obviously can. But like when you when a lone wolf does something and you like, you know, he goes to jail for life or is 
death penalty because of murder. Like that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good um, uh, uh, a condemnation of that behavior. But the real danger, I think, in American society is not lone wolves, right? They're, yeah. they're bad, right? But the real danger in American society is these these groups, right, that engage in activity, right, that um, you know, packs of wolves, you know, packs, packs, packs of wolves, and and that and that can packs be... of wolf dog shirts, wolf shirts, yeah. <laughs> well, it's not corn <laughs> cop shirts, right? Uh, is is these is these groups of individuals, um, and and I think being able to say, um, no, the Bundy people were seditious conspirators. Do you still support them, right? Or or um, you know, uh, or um, <clears throat> You know, same same with the January six people, or again on the left, like like there's just there's just like you know one of my kind of like annoyances is that the left seems like in unable to say that like there's something called Antifa, it's bad, like and it's we can like you're allowed like yeah. condemning Antifa does not mean somehow like giving it past the other people um, and like stop minimizing this stuff, but, like all of this is really bad. But can I ask? So this brings to, I think to Ben's been trying to kind of drive us that, and I keep distracting us with with like silly little hypotheticals and trying to kind of put the valences around the kind of these distinctions and match them to facts. But so, so do you think that the, what is the, what is the payoff of labeling something seditious conspiracy under the law? Is it greater? Like if it's a, is it greater punishment? Is it greater set? Like, is it like, and so why would there be any, if this fits best as a, as a mech, as a means of describing and punishing factually what happened, why is this not something that's being used? And why, as you say, are people on the left or, you know, or whatever, turning away from labeling something as seditious conspiracy? Yeah. I mean, why it's be not be used, I think, is because is because the the statute is so broad that DOJ is understandably worried about using it without having a very clear and comprehensive sense of how it's going to be used because it doesn't want to lose cases in front of grumpy judges, understandably so, understandably grumpy. And it also doesn't necessarily want to set precedents for future DOJs or future administrations that it disagrees with, right? As to the point about the left, I, I think this is actually a good example. I, I think that one thing that um, <clears throat> one thing that handicaps the left in its fight against the kind of authoritarianism and anti-democratic forces on the right is is its unwillingness to say right um this is the sort of conduct we will not accept right and we're not going to accept it on the left either and we are willing to like to like to to eat that like we're 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 we're, we're willing to like you, you know accept that cost right and, and what i find strange about that is given that like 99% of the uh, actual anti democratic violent forces come from the right like it wouldn't be very costly for the left to do that it gets a trade that they could that they should be willing to make and, and i think having a a term to say like we can all agree that seditious conspiracy is really bad and we'll deal with it on our side to the extent it comes knowing that there's not much to deal with right um and you know using that to kind of get the middle of this country to the extent it still exists um, kind of on board with that, I think is is a is a is a powerful thing, right? Because because I, I do think there is a sense in which a lot of people who are not part not hardcore on the right but live still in the kind of sort of conservative echo chamber, right? Um, wouldn't actually mind a reason to uh, condemn the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys and January sixth and all of that, right? Um, but uh, because their sort of tribal loyalties are still fundamentally on the right, are very sensitive sensitive to left hypocrisy um, on that. And so I think that this is one way of sort of clearing all that underbrush uh, out. At least at least that's my view. Now, again, would that be worth writing an entire new statute for? I'm not sure. 
but we got one. All right. Sorry about that, guys. Richard Wattenbarger, the floor is yours. Well, uh, Alan, in, in uh, honor of your appearance, I have my University of Minnesota mug. Amazing. I spent, Go Gophers. I, 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 uh, I did my uh, PhD about 500 yards from where your office is. So, um, um, amazing. Are you, are you a musicologist? I, yeah, I am. I just, I just, I, I see. No. And I know you have a call. And I know you have an illustrious college who's colleague whose wife is a musicologist too. Yes, yes, so, that's right, that's right, that's right. Um, um, so Richard, you have so, three questions, and I think mm -hmm. you should do all three of them, but in rapid fire. Okay. Uh, all right. So uh, first, regarding the definition of terrorism, um, I think of the terrorist acts that we've seen over the years in Israel and all of which, if I'm not mistaken, have geopolitical ends in view, and isn't using terrorism to describe Dylan Roof's crime stretching our understanding of the term to apply to very, uh, to any sort of public, very public mass murder? That's the first question. The second question is you, you mentioned earlier that all crimes- Wait, let, let, let's let's oh. let Alan answer the first oh, okay. before we go to the second. Okay. okay. Yeah, I, I, I'm not convinced, so, so, people seem, there seems to be an assumption in a lot of the discussion about domestic terrorism, that however we define it, Dylan Roof has to fall into it. I'm actually not that convinced that that's true. Um, uh, I'm just accepting it for purposes of, 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 the, of the debate. I think that none of these, look, none of these terms mean anything, right? Which is not to say that they mean, that they mean whatever you want them to mean. It's just that there's no like fixed meaning um, of what terrorism or seditious conspiracy means. Like these are tools. These are tools to accomplish certain objectives, right? As far as I can tell, Right. Um, uh, uh, when you have lone wolf individuals, right, like Dylan, like Dylan Roof, right, um, we have pretty good ways of holding those people accountable. Right. Now we can have a debate over whether the additional designation of domestic terrorism would be helpful. Right. But I don't think that there's um, a big constituency within anything that approaches the kind of Overton mainstream for Dylan Roofism. Right. Um, so to me, the question of whether we call him a domestic terrorism is not that important, right? Um, because I think of all these terms as um, ways in which society can organize around certain concepts. And like, I, I, like there's just what no one's defending terrorism. Crimes? Yeah. Well, so the 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 hate so the 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 hate crime issue, right, is a uh, is a separate one. And if we want to have that debate, which we've had periodically in you know the last several decades, we should have that, but then we should have a hate crime enhancement or a hate crime, crime, right? For, 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 for me, it's, it's the, um, it's the issue of like being able to call January 6th or the Bundy people or some theoretical Antifa action, right? Again, I'm not like saying they're actually as bad right now, but like one can imagine, um, you know, or like the eco-terrorists who are acting for very good reasons, but have decided to like use terrorism for that, right? Um, you know, uh, or anti-governmental uh, terrorism, right? There needs to be a term for that, I think, is, is what I'm trying to get at. All right, Richard, your second question. Okay, um, this concerns the definition of conspiracy. Um, I, uh, you had mentioned at the very beginning um, that uh, conspiracy is a, a, a crime uh, that's committed by at least two people. So are all crimes committed by at least two, uh, two people conspiracies? And how does that, uh, if that's the case, how does that 
uh, complicate prosecutions? How does that come into the discussions that uh, prosecutors will have about how to charge people? Yeah, not so. So a lot of crimes committed by more than two people are uh, are are conspiracies. Um, you know, I, I it has been it has been a while since I have studied a lot of substantive criminal law, and there are sort of complex rules um, around. Um, there are complex rules sort of around when the conspiracy merges into the crime itself, because you don't want to just like keep piling on offenses. Though they are separate, they are um, they are separate crimes. Um, uh, but but yeah, very frequently, you know, if there are multiple people, you can you can charge a, a conspiracy as well. I mean, a conspiracy also implies a certain level of planning um, mm -hmm. that uh, you, you, you know. Ben and me meeting up and then together going and robbing the liquor store is like, eh, it's not really a conspiracy. It is generally understood, um, nor would most prosecutors bother charging it that way. General, generally speaking, you're going to charge something as you're more apt to charge something as a conspiracy when it has not been completed. So mm -hmm. if Alan and I go and rob the liquor store, um, <clears throat> then we're going to be charged with robbing a liquor store, right? And maybe with a gun or maybe with, you know, you know, and then using the money to, you know, fund Alan's cocaine habit. Um, if on the other hand, um, we don't actually, the, the point of the conspiracy law is that at some level of planning and preparation, this is what they call in the military, getting to the left of boom. Um, you know, how, how before the crime is actually committed, at what level of planning and preparation for the crime is that itself criminal? So we've agreed to rob the liquor store. Alan has procured the gun with which to rob the liquor store. Um, but we, and we've driven to the front of the liquor store. We just have- I gotta send this video in. right to my Dean. This is great. <laughs> We just haven't robbed the liquor store yet. And so without conspiracy- At least you weren't tagged in a corn on the cob OnlyFans account. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, we've, we've done, oh, I don't know, the metaphor is going, you know, at what point, like without the conspiracy law, we wouldn't have committed a crime. And so the, the point isn't merely that it gets in the more people, the point is that it gets you to an earlier, more inchoate stage of the planning. Your last question. All right. So um, practically speaking, your, your proposal in the article for federal legislation to clarify what domestic terrorism, or clarify that it's more, uh, to clarify what it is, it, it, do you see that as uh, something more than a pipe dream? Or are there actually enough people in Congress, including in the GOP leadership, um, who would get behind something like that? Oh, definitely not. Yeah, no, there's no universe in which this is this is this is happening. Um, uh, I think it's just a useful thought experiment, um, which is which is why I think what's more likely um, to happen is that over time, DOJ, as it brings charging decisions, will create a kind of a common law of seditious conspiracy. It's not quite the way we're putting it, but like you know, there there will be an understanding, frankly, that develops between DOJ and the federal courts about what counts as seditious conspiracy and what doesn't. And and my suggestion is just like, I, I think this is not a terrible path to 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 move to move it in and it wouldn't a be a terrible ter case to make it a terrible set of facts to make the case on. Yeah. Zunyi, the floor is yours. It's good to see you again. <laughs> Thank you. It's great to see all of you. So uh, 
comments and then uh, I would love the panel to to respond to if you want and then two direct questions for Alan. So um, in General Hayden in his post CIA career um, basically did a spent a lot of time trying to convey that the CIA needed to do two things um, to become more modern, which is one, be more transparent. That was more about classification. But there was a B part of it that I thought was really critical, which was to be um, more basically transparent also in the way they communicate, to socialize what the CIA is doing and explain policies in a more consumable way so people could uh, feel like their friendly neighborhood CIA kind of connection. And I just think that right now that we're talking about terrorism and things like that, and it's critically important, but my um, background is forensic psychology. So I'm interested in impacts on society. And I think that people, uh, what people may be caught up on the, the law, but it's not, it's relevant and not, not relevant. What people need validation for is that they feel traumatized. Now we're saying terror, we feel terrorized and people were legitimately terrorized. So they want that validation to see that charge, but um, that's not what, it, that's not, it's, it, it's not the satisfaction that they may think it might be. And so the reason why I brought up the General Hayden, what he was trying to convey is that the FBI and the Department of Justice could really benefit from just being more communicative and clear. And they don't have to go into the cases, obviously they won't, uh, that's practice, but they can be more clear about why, um, it maybe socialize the idea of the framing of political violence, because that's what we're talking about. If you go on the, National Institutes of Mental Health, if you do any, but uh, the Office of Justice Programs right now, you can apply for a grant that, and it, the title of the grant is Psychological Impacts of Domestic Terrorism. So there's a lot of different contexts that terrorism is used, but it doesn't apply right now on the law in this context necessarily. So I think that just helping the public understand what we're talking about and and not providing euphemisms or you know downplaying it, but just give them appropriate ways to convey it, so they can feel that validation. Um, so, and I could speak exhaustively about that, but it's a really interesting point. So the two questions that I have. So that said, about terrorism, one, if the um, DNC RNC bomb suspect is caught would they actually be um, uh, charged with terrorism? Secondly, is the new, the big wood noose that was fashioned and put on the Capitol steps considered free speech? All um, right, well, let me, I, I can address the first one, Alan, if you don't, uh, if you, unless you want to. No, no, go for it. I just, I don't know how to address the second one exactly. I don't know uh, either. I'm so I'm going to go with yes. <laughs> the, second, the second one is super hard. The, yeah. one the first not, one is easy. I don't know if it's as hard as you think, but go ahead. Well, uh, it's normatively hard, whether yes. it's legally hard or not. The The first one is easy. The, the WMD statute to which I alluded earlier is so broad 
the government charges whatever it can under it. Uh, as I understand the DNC and RNC attacks, these were pipe bombs. Uh, uh, the government will charge that under the WMD statute. Um, and uh, probably as a conspiracy to detonate a, or a conspiracy to, you know, uh, detonate a, a, a WMD, um, uh, these are, these carry uh, really, really serious time if somebody is caught. No one was killed, of course, so it's not a death eligible offense, but it's, uh, uh, neither of them detonated, but so you, you are in either an attempt land or a conspiracy land or, but remember the possession is completed act, right? So the creation and possession of the WMD, these are just uh, crimes that whether you call them terrorism offenses or whether you call them you know, criminal offenses, the government just has, it's a world of hurt for whoever gets prosecuted under them. Uh, which is, you know, I'm, I'm not complaining about that. It's not a bad thing. Uh, but I, I think if you want to think about an area where the nomenclature doesn't matter very much, whether you call it terrorism or whether you call it, you know, fucking around with WMDs, uh, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to carry the prosecutorial message that the government wants. As to the other question, I will just say that uh, nobody is going to, you know, quite apart from what I think the rules should be, nobody is going to get prosecuted who didn't trespass for demonstrating in a lawfully constituted permitted demonstration with a gallows. I don't happen to think that's a great thing, but that's the state of our First Amendment law. What do you, what do you guys think? Oh, I mean, yeah, I, burning. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I. Yeah, I'm. I I agree, and I'm not actually that bothered by it in retrospect. Actually, yeah. I mean, I mean, I think it's obnoxious. Like the whole thing's obnoxious, right? But, um, but but uh, uh I I think the 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 fo force is the right place to force is the right place to draw the line, and if you're not using force, kind of think you should be able to get away with mostly anything. So I think the 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 wrinkle that is really important is that the people who are storming the Capitol chanting, hang Mike Pence, hang Mike Pence, I would think that would be construed as a real threat, a tr yes, what, I was just what is called say, a true threat. I don't oh, well, know that yeah. the force element, but the directionality. So like what Ben just described, the fact that they're calling for a specific person and- Well, giving... that they're engaged in violence yes. and calling, moving toward a target and calling for targeted violence against that individual, I think you're in a different zone. But if you're out on the lawn, you know, in the protest is legal and you happen to want to yes. protest with a noose, you but know. But it's also not a functional noose. There's like a lot of things that would take it like, sorry, not like, but no, that's seriously like that actually. We are functional noose. Spokane. We are functional noose, you know? Yeah. Okay. All right. Tom really McGuckin, you get the last question today. Yeah, and I'll be quick. First of all, though, I got to congratulate Kate. Making tenure is a benchmark, and, uh, you know, I'm an academic, too, and like you said, a lot of people think it's a slush run or a slush deal, but I know what it takes. Okay, it's a lot of work. So Thanks, Tom. That's very sweet of you. Okay, two, 
uh, just I think Alan sort of got to the point that's sort of stomped on my question. That is, you have to have violence. Okay, so I mean, if we look at the, I like to sum up the sixth as get pence. Okay, and uh, it, I'm not seeing now that you're saying that Trump somehow say, let's get wild. Pence is not cooperating with me. Uh, all these little sort of stuff, and this whoever happened to run into the building at the time, what you're saying is it's not making the threshold for seditious conspiracy. Alan. Yep. Yeah. No. That's yeah, that's that's, uh, that's, uh, that's right. That's yeah. That, that's 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 absolutely right. I mean, that's that 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 is that is is the line. I mean, I think the the issue is like, look, it's not it's not that. It's not that all uses of force are necessarily morally indefensible. It's not that on uses of force and just verbal sayings are morally defensible. It's that if you're going to have a law, you have to draw somewhere, right? And and I think drawing it at the use of physical force is the best way of covering as much as you want to cover without covering more than what you want to cover. I mean, it may be conspiracy to do something else. Well, yeah, but right, but that's that, that, I, I, that's the Liz Cheney question. Yeah, um, and and I I think I think yeah I think I think the the you know speech that's directed to then do something that's like I I don't I don't have a problem that's not real speech like that's not that's not doesn't yeah that is not real speech for our purposes. All right, we are going to leave it there. Oof. Alan, intense. This is great. You're, Thank you. You're a great American. You're I like that you got cold called on your article. You're yeah, a super, no, was, you're a super was, influencer, you know, getting all these people to up their conspiracy games into seditious conspiracy. They were, we were all just settling for regular conspiracies, Alan, until you came along and encouraged us to, to, you know, to go for the seditious conspiracy. Can, can I list that under in my annual review under service? Kate, would yeah. you recommend yeah. that? Oh, yeah. Kate, I'm gonna when I go for tenure, I'm gonna need you to write me one of my one of my tenure letters, and you gotta talk yeah. about what a contribution I am to seditious conspiracy. And you know, there's that famous country. Bing Crosby song that ends, and may all your conspiracies <laughs> be seditious. And on that note, yeah, uh, we're, gonna leave it there. we're gonna be back. 46 hours and 59 minutes from now. I don't have any idea who the guest is going to be because I am going to be involved in a special operation that I cannot speak of, uh, uh, but it will involve Mateo Caraba. It Ooh. may involve some generators and some spotlights and uh, uh, a violation of the Vienna Convention on Consular Affairs. It may not. Um, Ben's going to have a much more interesting Wednesday than the rest of us. <laughs> uh, and, uh, but that'll be uh, 46 hours and 50. And I'll be minutes. back with Genevieve and we'll be doing yeah. the show. Yeah. KK will be here with Genevieve. And until then, Kate? We don't have fun anymore, but we can get together with our friends and plan to not have fun and then to plot against the government. Your conspiracy. Oh, oh, wow, I'm so. Bye. Bye. <laughs>